0: Chapter Fifteen of Six Years with the Texas Rangers, Eighteen Seventy Five to Eighteen Eighty One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or how to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Six Years with the Texas Rangers, Eighteen Seventy Five to Eighteen Eighty One by James B. Gillett. Chapter Fifteen Scouting in Mexico About a month after our first brush with Apaches, during November 1879, Chief Victorio quit the Mescalero Reservation and with a party of 125 warriors and a 100 women and children, traveled south into Mexico on a raid. This old chief was probably the best general ever produced by the Apache tribe. He was a far better captain than old Geronimo ever was and capable of commanding a much larger force of men. His second-in-command was Nana, also an able officer. Victorio knew every foot of the country and just where to find wood, water, grass, and abundance of game, so he took his time and, coming from New Mexico down into the state of Chihuahua, stopped first at the Santa Maria. The country about this stream is very mountainous, especially to the south, and here he could find refuge in case of an attack from Mexican soldiers. Of this, however, there was not much danger at that time, for the country was thinly settled, farming and stock-raising being confined to the neighborhood of the small towns. Gradually, Chief Victorio moved down into the Candelaria Mountains, approaching them from the northwest. Here, he could get fresh range for his large band of horses and be near the settlement of San Jose, owned by Don Mariano Samanego Here, also, he could watch the public road between Chihuahua and El Paso del Norte, the present Juarez. One of the saddest and most heart-rending tragedies resulted from this move victorio was camped at the large tanks on the north side and almost on top of the candelaria mountains where he had fine range for his stock and plenty of game and wood from those almost inaccessible peaks he could see for twenty or thirty miles in every direction and watch every move of travelers or hostile forces the old chief now sent a small band of indians some six or seven in number on a raid against the little settlement of san jose here the indians stole a bunch of mexican ponies and hurried back to their camp on top of the candelaria mountains the citizens of san jose discovered the loss of their ponies and on examining the trail found there was only a small band of indians in the raiding party a company of the principal mexicans of san jose under the command of don jose rodriguez and augmented by volunteers from the little town of Carajal left to locate the Indians and recover the stolen horses. The little band of fifteen brave men went to the northern side of the mountains and struck the trail of Victorio's band on an old beaten route used by the Indians, which passed from the Santa Maria River to the Candelaria Mountains. This road wound between two rocky peaks and then down the side of the hills to the plain between them and the Candelaria, ending at last at the big tank. From his position on the tall peaks, Victorio had seen the little body of Mexicans long before they struck his trail, and, knowing they would never come upon the Candelaria after seeing the size of his trail, sent forty or fifty of his warriors to form an ambuscade where the trail crosses the crest between the two peaks. He must have been with the Braves himself, for the thing was skillfully planned and executed. On the north side of the trail there were only a few boulders, but on the south the hills were very broken, rising in rough tiers of stones. The Apaches hid in these rocks and awaited their victims. On November seventh, 1879, The Mexicans entered the narrow defile, and as soon as they were between the two parties of Indians, concealed on each side of the pass, the Apaches on the north side of the trail fired a volley upon them. The Mexicans thereupon made for the rocks on the south, as was natural. As they sought refuge there, the redskins in the cliffs above the gallant little band opened fire on them. Caught in a real death trap, the entire punitive force was massacred. When I walked over the ground some time afterward, I saw where one Mexican had gotten into a crevice from which he could shoot anyone coming at him from the east or west. He was hidden also from the Indians in the cliffs above him, but his legs were exposed to the warriors on the north side and they had literally shot them off up to his knees. I also found seven dead Mexicans in a small gully, and on a little peak above them I discovered the lair of one old Indian who had fired 27 shots at the tiny group until he had killed them all, for I found that number of 45 to 70 cartridge shells in one pile. Practically all the horses of the Mexicans were killed. Some of the animals had been tied to Spanish dagger plants, and when shot, ran the length of their rope before falling. Some of the bodies rolled down the deep canyon until they reached the bottom of what we call the Canado del Muerte, Canyon of Death, and the Indians removed none of the saddles or ropes from the dead horses. When the company of Mexicans did not return there was great sorrow and alarm in the little town of Caraja. As it was supposed that only a small band of Apaches bent on horse-stealing was in the Candelarios, another small band of fourteen men volunteered to go and see what had become of their friends and kindred. Don Jose Mario Rodriguez was appointed commander, and the little party took the trail of their comrades with sad forebodings. Old Victorio, from his watchtowers in the Candelarios, saw this rescue party, and prepared for its destruction. The signs indicated that the second party had walked into the same death trap as the first, but the second band had scattered more in fighting, and a good many of the Mexicans were killed on the southern slope of the hills. Two had attempted to escape on horseback, but were followed and killed. I found one of these unfortunates, in an open plain some six hundred yards from the hills. He had been surrounded, and seeing escape was impossible, had dismounted, tied his horse to a Spanish dagger plant, and put up a good fight. I found thirty or forty cartridge shells near where he had fallen. His ponies had been killed and the dagger plants shot to pieces. The Apaches had cut off his right hand and carried away his gun six-shooter, saddle, and bridle. When neither party returned then, indeed, was there sorrow in the town of Carajo, for twenty-nine of her principal citizens had left, never to return. Wives, mothers, and sweethearts mourned the loss of their dear ones. A runner was sent to El Paso del Norte, and the citizens began to organize a punitive expedition at once calling on saragasso tres halacas guadalupe and san ignacio for their quotas these towns responded quickly and soon a hundred mexicans were ready to take the field a note was sent to lieutenant baylor at Wasleta, requesting the rangers to go with the command baylor readily agreed to accompany the mexicans for he knew it was only a question of time before old victorio would again be murdering and robbing on our side of the Rio Grande. A detachment of Company C had been in one Apache fight in Mexico, and the Mexicans had a very friendly feeling for us. Lieutenant Baylor's detachment of ten rangers crossed the Rio Grande at Saragossa, a little town opposite Buecleta, and joined the Mexicans under Señor Ramos. We marched to the ranch of Don Innocente Ochoa until the volunteers from the other towns came to Samalajuca Springs. When they had done so, the rangers moved down, and our combined command amounted to 110 men. After organizing their force, the Mexicans sent Senor Ramos to inform Lieutenant Baylor that, on account of his experience as a soldier and as a compliment to the rangers, they had selected him to command the entire party. The lieutenant thanked the messenger but declared as the campaign was on Mexican soil to rescue or bury Mexicans, it would be more proper to appoint one of their own men commander and that he himself would cheerfully serve under any leader so chosen. Senor Ramos returned shortly and notified Lieutenant Baylor that the Mexicans had selected Don Francisco Escapada of Guadalupe as commander-in-chief and Lieutenant Baylor, second in command. This solution of the leadership problem pleased us, as there was an element among the Mexican party that might have caused friction. Old Chico Borello, the Pueblo, Cacique, and principal commander of the mob that had killed Judge Howard, Ellis Atkinson, and McBride at San Elizario, was with the expedition, and we had at our Isleta headquarters warrants for the arrest of himself and many others, so we gave the old fellow to understand we were now fighting a common enemy and should act in harmony together. We did this more willingly because we had learned that after killing Judge Howard and the others, the mob wanted to murder all the rangers barricaded in an old adobe house, but had been dissuaded from this purpose by old Chico, who declared the rangers could only be killed after he had had first been slain. Leaving one wagon at the Ochoa Ranch and taking three days' rations cooked and more in case of a siege, we went out in the night to avoid Victorio's spies. Don Francisco Escapada with Lieutenant Baylor were at the head of the column. Sergeant James B. Gillett and eight rangers followed in Indian file, each ranger with a Mexican by his side, showing they looked on us as volunteers in the Mexican service. We rode out along the hard sand road between Salamahuka and sent spies ahead to locate the Apaches if possible. Before we reached the Candelarios, we halted behind some mountains to await their report, but they could learn nothing certain. It was a bitterly cold night, and a few of us made fires in the deep arroyos. We moved on toward the mountains north of the Candelarios and reached them early next morning to find a large, fresh trail, about two days old, going in the direction of Lake Santa Maria, but, for fear of some stratagem, we divided our men. One party took the crest south of the trail where the massacre took place, while the other went to the right. It was soon evident that the entire Apache band had left, and that nothing remained for us but the sad duty of collecting the bodies of the dead Mexicans for burial. The second, or rescue party, had found the bodies of their kinsmen killed in the first ambuscade and had collected them and put them in a big crevice in the rocks. When they began to cover the corpses with loose stones, the Indians, who had been watching them all the while, just as a cat plays with a mouse before killing it, opened fire on the burial party and killed the last one of the unfortunate men. The saddest scene I ever witnessed was that presented as we gathered the bodies of the murdered men. At each fresh discovery of a loved one, brother, or father, and the last hope fled that any had escaped, a wail of sorrow went up and I doubt if there was a dry eye, either of Mexican or Texan, in the whole command. While the immediate relatives were hunting for those who had scattered and trying to escape, we moved south to the main tank in the Candelarios. The ascent was up a winding path on the steep mountainside to the bench where the tank, one of the largest in the west, was situated. The water coming down from a height and big boulders falling into the tank, had cut a deep hole in the solid rock in which the water was retained. Although Victorio's band of three hundred animals and two hundred or more Indians and in our command had been using the water, it could scarcely be missed. We sent scouts to the left and right to make sure no game was being put upon us, for the cunning old chief, after setting his women and children off, could have hidden his warriors in the rough cliff that towered high above and commanded the tank of water and slaughtered all those below. We remained all day and night at this place. It was the most picturesque spot I had ever seen. We rangers rambled all over this Indian camp and found many of the Mexican saddles hidden in the cliffs and several hats, each with bullet holes in it. We also discovered two Winchester rifles that had been hit in the fight and abandoned as useless. I saw a hundred or more old rawhide shoes that had been used to cover the ponies' feet and dozens of worn-out moccasins. This party of Apaches had killed and eaten more than 75 head of horses and mules in this camp. I followed a plain well-beaten footpath to the topmost peak of the Candelario, or Candle Mountain, so called from the candle-like projection of rocks that shot skyward from its top. The Candelario is an open plain 50 miles south of El Paso, Texas, and from its top affords one of the grandest views in northern Mexico. To the south, one could see San Jose and Caraja. To the north, the mountains at El Paso del Norte, To the west, the mountains near Santa Maria River and Lake Guzman were in plain view, while to the east the Sierra Bentanos loomed up, apparently only a few miles away. On this peak, old Victorio kept spies constantly on the lookout, and it would have been impossible for a party of men to have approached without having been seen by those keen-eyed watchers. All the bodies having been recovered, They were buried in a crevice of the mountain where they had been killed. All were in good preservation owing to the pure cold air of the mountains. It is a strange fact, but one beyond question, that no wild animal or bird of prey will touch the body of a Mexican. These corpses had lain on the ground nearly two weeks and were untouched. If they had been the bodies of Indians, Negroes, or Americans, the coyotes, buzzards, and crows would have attacked them the first day and night. Nothing of interest occurred on our return trip. The rangers, as usual, always ate up their three days' rations the first camp they made and got out of bread, but our Mexican allies divided with us. Don Innocente Ochoa's majordomo, or ranch boss, gave us all the fresh beef we could eat and a supply of carne seco, dried beef, to take with us on campaign. Quite a company had come out to see us from Carrizal, and we returned sadly to the widows of the brave men who fell in this, probably the most wholesale slaughter ever made by Victorio's band. The citizens of Galena were nearly as unfortunate, but it was old Hugh and Geronimo who massacred them. All the Saragasso men made for their church to offer up thanks for a safe return. Men, women, and children uttered their gracias, senores" as the Texas Rangers rode through their town. We arrived safely in our adobe quarters in Isleta and appreciated them after sleeping outdoors. Though Victorio had escaped us on this scout, and though he was to murder and pillage for a time, yet his days were numbered. Our company of rangers were again to cross into Mexico in pursuit of him, but though, one year later, he and eighty-nine of his braves were killed by the Mexicans under Colonel Jaquin Terrazas, the rangers were not to take part in defeating him. However, our rangers were destined to annihilate a small band that escaped deserved destruction at that time when it resumed its depredations in Texas. End of chapter 15